coming up in this podcast, how working remotely can impact data security and what we need to do to keep our data safe and GDPR compliant. I'll be back with you with my guests in just a few seconds. Welcome to the Biod Partnerships podcast channel. I'm Harley Lovegrove, and it is my pleasure to share with you the broad range of topics which my studio guests and I explore together. The Biod podcast channel is made possible through the Partnerships Academy program. Managing projects remotely. In this series, I want to explore the topic of remote project management and all the challenges and benefits it brings. With so many people having to switch to running their entire projects remotely, it might be reassuring to know that for some, this has been their way of life for a long time now. Part 2. Is it safe? Considering data security and GDPR. Helping me explore this topic this week are my regular guests, Luigi Belli, Kim Teluren, Paul Bennington and Patrick de Moulinard, and they're joined by Eve Daniels, Program Delivery Manager, General Manager and IT Specialist, plus Biot Associate Chris Peters, a big data guru who, among many other assignments, has been running an international business researching and processing vast amounts of data from all over the globe for the automotive and motorcycle industry. Welcome all. I'd like to start with Chris this week on the topic of information security, because obviously when we were working in a physical location, we probably had badges and we walked into a building and we had some kind of security pass and check. And we went into physical spaces and we worked on computers that were supplied by our companies in some kind of VPN or network or whatever. And you could imagine that when you left the office at the end of the day, that it was locked and somehow the security of that wasn't your responsibility. Bearing in mind GDPR and all these other things, and I'm looking directly to, to Paul Bennington, because I know that you're an expert in this area, and to Chris, because you've raised this topic. I'm wondering what this implication of information security would be. I'd like to start with you, Chris, because you you really surprised me because you said that working from home, although you've been doing it for nearly 30 years, you have a physical lock on the door to your home office. Why would you do that? Well, what what is what is your thinking behind that? Well, Harley, the information your customer gives you is theirs, not yours. It's yours to work with. And I wouldn't like it if somebody would uh, just throw my documents, whichever documents that is, uh, and put them out with a paper recycling or just dump them in the bin or leave them in the kitchen. So because I don't like it, I don't do it to others. And I am very peculiar about that. And every time I leave my office, I lock the door. If I go downstairs, my office is upstairs, I, I lock the door of the office. Well, I know your wife, Susie, and I know you have been to your house before. Um, 
Does that not create a strange atmosphere? Does not Susie saying, well, come on, I mean, uh, <laughs> why is your door always locked? Does she understand that? I mean, how does that work? She does understand that I'm very particular about it. Uh, and also she has the key code. So it's not ah. like she can't get in. Okay. It's not like I'm getting stuff from her. Um, so, so what you're trying to protect, in fact, is if, if, if other people, make, like people should hope it never happens, but break into your house or something, there's at least some physical security to say, look, I did every effort I could to keep this information safe. Is that is that your line of thinking? Well, no, it's it's not to cover my back. It's to make sure that nobody gets to the information. Okay, perfect. I used to work with a HR company, a headhunters company, and I didn't want their CVs and whatever I was working with to go astray because it may cost people's jobs and reputation, for example. Okay, Paul, I'd like to bring you in on this because, I mean, you you really are, I can't say maybe an expert in GDPR, but you're certainly far more knowledgeable than any of us, I think, in this topic. It's you're one of your key areas at the moment of working for the last year or more. Um, what, what's your feeling when you hear this from, from, from Chris? I think it's, uh, it's absolutely correct. Uh, we are... Uh, responsible for the data that we are given and from a GDPR point of view uh, we're not just talking about GDPR we're talking about information security uh, globally um, being able to ensure that whatever data we're given is not lost um, is not leaked is not breached that's part of the contract that we have with the people we work with um, so I agree with uh, with what Chris says. Um, I think it's very nice that he has his own separate office. Uh, I'm in my my living room. You can see my workstation, my my um, DHL workstation behind me. I have to be um, also very cautious, um, and I'm trying not to make any digi uh, um, paper copies of documents available. And everything is digital. And as soon as I walk away from my computer, I lock the computer screen. Um, and then there has to be a code to, to be able to get in. So I don't have the same level of physical security as, uh, as Chris, but we do have to ensure that whenever we leave and move away from our, uh, our computer or the source of information, that it has to be protected uh, as well as we can. Thank you very much, Paul. I want to come back later on uh, on the topic of audio information so for example we're in a conference call discussing the future of our client or whatever it is and, and our partners may be having coffee in the next room with somebody we don't even know uh, i want to come back to that later but i'd like to switch quickly to eve because you know from your C cio background when you hear this conversation on data security and those kind of things i was just wondering what, what's your first reaction uh, to this uh, what, what's your view on this I don't have, uh, myself, I don't have a physical security, so I do the same. Uh, I don't print out uh, almost uh, anything. Uh, I'm always have everything, everything in digital. Um, my first reaction would be that uh, uh, working at home is not new. Um, so our employees have been working at the home uh, for, for a number of years now. Um, and uh, what comes new is uh, Office 365 and all the possibilities of uh, that the next uh, next way. So once you've got access to a computer, uh, there is a high possibility that you will have on that computer uh, locally files, which are usable uh, in in a malefit way. Um, that has been a, a, a big discussion in the past. 
it's it 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 never got really solved. You can't once you've got something locally on a computer and there is no cocoon or some some Nox uh, stuff uh, on on that computer available. You are at risk. Uh, and I can't see. I have not seen anything in the past that makes that uh, risk go away. It's uh, almost always uh, trying to get a good behavior of the persons uh, doing remote work, but implying or, or explicit, explicitly making sure that nothing can be leaked. Um, in my experience in the past, and it's a bit dreadful to say, that always has the result that you cannot work uh, properly. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of stuff. I'm happily working now with Office 365, and it makes our life even now. This conversation it makes it easy and and, and bearable. Take that all away, and it would be very difficult. Uh, so I think you need to be a good housekeeper. There needs to be some policy guides. There needs to be policy guides in order not to print, to to not to disclose, and so on and so on. But you can only go as far as you can go. Uh, unless That's interesting, you, uh, Eve, because if I come back to Paul, um, if I understand, you know, the essence of data security and certainly with GDPR is that you should basically look after your client's data or, or, or data with the same degree and respect as you would your own personal information that you wouldn't want leaked. I mean, is there something that we would actually need to do to be compliant in your eyes? In your in your eyes, yes. do we need to change anything? You need to have the GDPR. GDPR also also comes comes with policies and, and way of behavior. So you need to have proper policies how to work remotely, not to store stuff and so on. Make sure that you once you don't need it, you can delete it, and, and that you need to have some kind of a guideline set in working remotely in order to be compliant with uh, GDPR. That is one thing, that is that is doable. What is a lot more difficult is to enforce it. Uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, uh, I just want to come back to Paul. Paul, uh, our GDPR resident, uh, what do you feel when you hear uh, Eve uh, and what he's, what he's sharing with us, this, this very useful information he's sharing? What's your, from the official sort of uh, certificate side of it, shall we say? <laughs> We um, uh, we have to ensure that it is adequately protected. That's the words which are uh, defined. Um, and adequately protected means um, stored in a safe way, accessed in a safe way, accessible only by the correct people. Um, Eve is uh, is very correct. Uh, it's it's tempting to to bring the information down onto your local machine because it's easier to work offline than always being connected via. Um, via a VPN, um, but that does introduce additional security uh, issues. Ideally, you should be not saving anything on your local machine in case your local machine is stolen. Um, so uh, there is a compromise to be had between being 100% compliant and being practical and workable. So um, it's talking about best efforts here. Kim, um, switching to you, because I know that you have a home office as well as a, an official office. Well, I believe you have a home office as well as an official office. Do you have a lock on the door to keep your your partner and children out when at home? Uh, yeah, we do have a, a home office and, and a, a physical office. Um, 
I don't have a lock at my home office. Uh, I don't even have a door on my home office uh, <laughs> for that matter. But I do have um, a cabinet where I where I keep my printed documents, like um, documents that are... Uh, with sensitive information in, perhaps. With yeah. sensitive yeah. information about my employees and, and that sort of stuff. So those are in a locked cabinet and uh, other documents that are not privacy related, not sensitive, they're just on my desk. Uh, and of course, my computer is always locked. So there's a password and uh, all um, security that is necessary. Thank you very much, Kim. So, to, to, so wrapping up with this, and I'm going to come to, to Luigi and, and, and Patrick soon, because Luigi spends all of his time working with remote teams, more or less. Um, is just to say that I remember once sitting on a train and there was a guy on the train and he was talking in a loud voice about a very sensitive merger and acquisition of a company. And obviously he was involved in it on a train. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. You know, this, uh, this is really crazy. So is there any implication? Do we need to change the way we work at home or anything because of this? Maybe Luigi or Patrick, have you got something to comment? Uh, um, on this topic, Luigi. I mean, in your house, you're, you, I think your wife must be at home at the same time as you. Sometimes, maybe she has friends over. Does that change your your behaviour in terms of things you might be saying over the phone to your team? Uh, well, yes. Speaking on my own experience, uh, I can tell that uh, indeed the, there is a, a degree uh, of uh, some uh, uh, say uh, confidentiality that has to be respected especially for some uh, uh, business-related uh, topics. So um, I do confirm that sometimes we have to think about what we are going to say and to make uh, to, to be careful about where the discussion is going, uh, because this is important uh, not to, uh, to allow anybody, uh, could be like friends or could be also our neighbors, because we don't necessarily live in an isolated uh, 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 in an isolated uh, apartment, so you never know who's gonna be eavesdropping on you. That uh, that can be, uh, it can always be by accident that you just divulge some information which could be sensible. And my past experience being that I've been involved in uh, mergers and acquisition, this could have been a very sensible topic. So when uh, when you are in a meeting, you have to think about it and uh, make sure that, as I said, you do not let people know how things are there's another angle thank you for that luigi there's another angle that i'm thinking about and i'd like to switch to you patrick on this one is that the fact is that this conversation that we're having now is recorded okay so it's also possible that the notes that you might make or the quick chat that you might make in a video conference or a conversation with another colleague which had you been in the corridor by the coffee machine would have been in the strictest confidence uh, and just uh, maybe even a friendly uh, chat between two people, um, it could be misused. Uh, Patrick, have, have you issued your teams with any special guidance on this topic at all? Uh, no, not not particularly. Um, but the way we, we generally work, um, I think, is, is more or less compliant to, to the things I, I already heard by, uh, by uh, Chris and by, um, by Paul. Uh, in a way that we um, we usually work completely digitally. So uh, 
for example, myself, I, I never print any documents. Or I don't have any confident, confidential documents at home. They're all stored uh, in a digital way, so they are password protected, let's say. And with the digital teams, we, we in fact work in the same way. So all documentation that they make about their projects is stored in, in a digital way, is stored on Confluence or is stored in, in Jira. So there are all cloud uh, applications, let's say, that we do protect by, uh, by uh, simple access management uh, rules. Uh, like, for example, for some things you have, you need specific access to, to, to the company's network, or for other, you, you, you have simply a uh, passport access to, uh, to a cloud application. But the general rule is that we don't, we don't print any, any documentation, neither we store any documentation on our, on our personal laptops. So the journey towards digital or fully digital is, 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 is ever accelerating, if I understand what you're saying, certainly with your teams as well. And, and, and with, with Paul, we're hearing the same thing, of course. Um, but I'm just wondering now with this, because I seem to remember last week we were talking about various tools and one of the tools, and I don't remember the name, forgive me, you were talking about, I think was a chat that actually doesn't, when you finish chatting, the chat disappears. It's not saved or protected in any way. Is that is that correct? Was that what, a, a, and you used that for certain kind of conversations and another one for other conversations, a chat which you wanted to store the information and the one which was just informal. Or, or did I mishear that last week? No, no, no. The the tool you're talking about is uh, is Slack, and um, we do use it for uh, for quick conversations, so for for chatting purposes uh, most yeah. of the time. And the history of the chat conversations, I think it's about one week that the uh, that the history is stored, and then and then it automatically it automatically disappears. Now, there's one thing we 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 um, we take as an assumption with with using all these tools. And that is, of course, that these tools themselves um, respect uh, all the privacy and the, uh, the access, um, let's say, uh, rules, GDPR rules. So that's an assumption that we take that, that our data that is stored even in Microsoft Teams and, 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 and other cloud applications, that this information is, is, is not uh, shared with any, yeah, any other companies that, um, that are not involved in it. Uh, Okay, that's very interesting. So really, I have to come back to Eve, really, because, I mean, Eve, um, if you could just put your CIO hat on for a moment. I mean, who is responsible for this? Is it is it the employee? Is it is it the team, the freelance team worker working from home? Or is it actually the organization to which they're submitting invoices to or, or, or actually paid by? Who's responsible for this total uh, information security, would you say, Eve? Um, both actually, uh, somebody is responsible for issuing the rules and uh, the, the way to work, uh, to construct an environment in which you can work correctly and somebody else is responsible to apply the rules. So for instance, you're talking about Slack and chat. So uh, you can use Slack and you can uh, apply as a rule that you need to use Slack for certain chat conversations. That also means that somebody at the other end is not doing any screen grabbing or storing away that data for a longer time. So it is, it is physically impossible to enforce a rule uh, for anybody who wants to do something not 
to be do not to apply that rule. That is for IT personnel. That's that's completely impossible. The rule must be, uh, for instance, that you may never, never, ever store a balance sheet of a company and a balance sheet in working progress on your local machine. That would not be a good idea. Certainly not if it, if it is a portable. That needs to be applied as a general rule. If somebody does that, it is impossible to make sure that that person does not do it unless you put knocks and whatever on, the, on their computers. In certain cases, you may do so. I can uh, give an example. It is, it is not permitted for uh, a bank agent to use a PC to go to a client and to, uh, to print a bond. That would not be a good idea. Uh, so what happens is, from the moment that person leaves the branch, that functionality is not available anymore. That needs to be done or dealt with by the company itself. Now, the employee must not do it, but that's something that needs to be dealt with by, by the company. So there is always a mixture in what the company needs to apply. The rules is a company method. The appliance of those rules is not only a company matter, it's also a matter of good conduct. So it's always both. Okay, thank you very much. I think, I think we've covered some interesting topics today, and I want to thank you, everyone, for coming and for contributing today. I think it's opened a lot of, a lot of questions there. I mean, in, in summary, I think everything's changed, but nothing's changed in the sense that if you're chatting to someone at the coffee machine about something confidential or a little bit of gossip or whatever, you don't expect them to have a voice recorder on in the same way you don't expect people to, to, to screen grab your chat. I think in, in, in the future, maybe organizations will have to make these policy statements that Eve's referring to, but that's for another day. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining us today. I look forward to um, working with you and talking to you again on various topics on this uh, in the future. Be safe and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. So thanks very much. There now follows a few minutes of bonus material, which was recorded after the official webinar had ended. Enjoy. Great. That was good. Thank you very much indeed. I think we covered that topic. What did we leave out that was really important on information security? Uh, anybody got anything they think we, we, we should really mention? Uh, just uh, as an example there, I put in the notes, so uh, exactly as, as uh, Eve said, um, you need to bear in mind the corporate level security rules and Zoom, which is the biggest chat program, if you like, the uh, communication program has been banned by DHL because their security doesn't comply with our corporate security levels. Um, okay, so, so, so who, who is responsible for making sure everybody knows? So is this going to be an HR matter? Is it going to be IT security? How will the employees or, or people know? Because I think it can only be a matter of time before somebody's child playing on no. a computer or whatever. Well, there's, there's, there's two elements to that, So the, um, um, which is one that I wanted to, to raise. Firstly is that um, it, it is enforced by um, corporate. Um, and we have monitoring programs that understand what is being downloaded on corporate computers. And then if we see it's been downloaded, um, the IT group can contact them and say, no, please remove. The other half is awareness. And that's something that is also in what Eve said, you need to make people aware of what is, is possible and not possible. And on a regular basis, which is part of what my team does, is send out uh, emails, notices, um, this is the status, this is accepted, this is not accepted, do this, don't do this, uh, just general advice. Sometimes it's really 
Um, like we did with Zoom, it's an official announcement that says, if you have it, delete it, don't install it. But in most cases, it's just a, you know, bear in mind information security, don't leave your passwords, don't leave your screens unlocked. In the General. petrochemical industry, sorry to interrupt, in the petrochemical industry, I know that for safety reasons, often messages go out, warning of safety risks or things to avoid, and employees are obliged to reply to them to say, yes, I've read, I understood, and all this sort of thing. Is this something happening? Uh, is this something that we, I'm not saying for you, for DHL, but is this something that you would recommend uh, in, 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 in an organization, Paul? That you have this kind of contractual yes, we agree kind of thing because it was maybe ten years ago that you signed your employment contract. <laughs> no, we don't have. When we send out those awareness messages, no, we don't expect any feedback. But it's nice if, it, as a result of that, there is a chat that's that started. Um, so it's nice to see uh, somebody replies yes, I agree or no, I don't agree. Can you clarify? And then we can start a conversation on the topic, which is always good. Great, thank you. I've just got a note coming in, and I don't know who does this or who's guilty of this, but I know that, Chris, you say you do this for yourself on your own data, but you, you, that you like to use an iPad, and in, in, and in Adobe Acrobat, you make notes with an iPen actually straight onto the digital pad. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I can imagine this iPad would fall outside of any company's um, approved network or system. So I guess the iPad that you're using, Chris, is equivalent to a piece of paper and a pen, I guess. Yeah, in, in when I use it like that, yes. I, I do a lot of, of data checking. I have to do uh, run through two 25-page uh, price lists every month, or twice a month, actually. And I used to print those out. And I have a whole stack of boxes with the ones I annotated. And uh, since I moved to China, I didn't have a printer, but I had my iPad and a pen, and I downloaded this software called Penultimate because Penultimate. It, I chose that one because it works together with Evernote uh, yeah. quite well. So, and and with the with the Apple Pen on the on this the, it's the big iPad, the 12-inch iPad, you can write handwriting as small as eight-pitch print, and and because what I do next to this. 8-pitch or 10-pitch print, I, I write a new price. If there is a price change, I can write it next to it. And then when I'm finished, I enter it into the machine. So, and it works really well. And I don't have this stack of paper anymore. Because I've always said that my, um, my secret to keeping secrets is the fact that my writing is so bad that anyone who, who got my papers would not be able to read it. But I don't suppose that's really a, a very professional defense. Um, uh, any, any comments on that, uh, Patrick? Do, in, in your, uh, do you use iPads or anybody else using iPads? Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I, I saw some managers using, using iPads uh, in, in our company. So, um, yeah, they do, um, but I'm not sure if they, yeah, if they follow then the the compliance rules uh, going along with it. So if they lose their iPad, uh, I can imagine that there uh, there is some, uh, or there might be some some critical company information on it. Uh, so yeah, because you're not going to leave your iPad in a locked box, are you, or a locked cabinet like Kim leaves her 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 data in there? Anyway, guys, any other topics that we should have covered or should cover in the next uh, thing on on information security, specifically in remote working, or have do you think we've done it? I okay. put something in the chat. 
uh, which is uh, <coughs> an, an old saying, a very old uh, Latin, nemo sensitur ignorare legem. It's like saying uh, like there's, that's, uh, that's the correct expression, saying that everybody should know the law. No, that's not correct. Nobody should really know the law, but no one can say it's because we don't we, because we don't know it. We need we don't need to apply it. Yeah. So it is, there are two things. Um, companies need to be clear, and that's like law. They need to be clear about what the rules are. That is not sufficient. You need you can't say I've said you I've told you ten years ago. You need to warning signals, and you need to regularly. Uh, repeat and, and uh, what is that uh, awareness session and so on. So you need to make sure that you can show that you that you've done your best to inform anybody on a continuous way. Once you have done that, nobody can say I did not know you need there is a push and pull mechanism from but it goes to face. You need to have those rules those consignes, you need to uh, have those awareness sessions that you can show that you're repeatedly informing people. And by doing so, nobody can say, I was not informed, so I don't, do not need to apply to do so. It goes both ways. But this is an old Latin stuff. It is always and still now applicable. Yeah, basically in English is basically either ignorance of the law is not a uh, is not an excuse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one point to Chris, and we have to wrap up because the producer's coming in with a cup of coffee. I think here. So, uh, Chris, uh, just well, uh, from topic, from so my from my education background, uh, just hearing the conversation about GDPR. Uh, and, and maybe all sorts of other documents we sign without thinking or even without reading because we have to. If a company would issue their um, rules and guidelines about security, what they should do, I think, is to organize or to have like an online quiz that quizzes for the gist of what is in the document so that anybody can understand and take the quiz and that you can see what is it that people don't understand and focus on that in, in another memo or in a video training video awareness video or another quiz. I like that idea. I like that idea because I think, to be honest with you, if somebody has a guest comes into their house and or, or whatever, someone leaves the door. I mean, if, if you go out and someone and your and your partner's at home. Uh, and then your partner goes out but forgets to lock the kitchen door, for example, you know, are you responsible for the fact that someone's broken into your house and stolen your laptop? I think there's lots of questions that are kind of coming here that need to be looked at. I love the idea of the quiz because that will guide us. And I saw Paul was nodding. Um, so I just want to say thank you very much, everyone. Next week, I want to focus really on project reporting, project updating, um, project management tips of how that's going uh, in your projects uh, and what we need to do differently, especially on the motivation side. How are we going to motivate people who are slipping behind, who need a bit of extra help? So that's that's a topic for next week. Thank you very much. The the hands of time have gone to eight minutes past 11. We're eight minutes overdue. Thank you very much indeed for your time this morning to Paul, to Patrick, to Luigi, to Kim, to Eve, and to Chris. And uh, we'll talk to you again another day. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
This podcast was made possible thanks to the Biob Partnerships Academy programme. It was presented by me, Harley Lovegrove. The music was taken from a live recording of Mozart's First Symphony, given by the Lucker Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Michel Tilcan. It was recorded as part of the Young Belgian Talent Initiative, of which the Biob Partnership is proud to present itself as a platinum sponsor. You can find the full video of the concert on YouTube. Just search for Young Belgian Talent, Michel Tilcan, Mozart Symphony No. 1. Thank you. See you next time.